here this morning to praise you. We woke up this morning and we're still at home watching on computer and we we're, came here to praise you. Father, we, we wake up every day with a purpose, with our heart set to lift up the name of Jesus. There are none like you. You are the name above all names. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, I thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have allowed us to be a part of your family, to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of who you, your called ones. Thank you, Lord. And we just continue to worship that name, the name of Jesus. We give you glory and honor today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right. Well, and, and speaking of Jesus, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. It's good to talk about him, amen? It's good to learn more and more about who he is and his plan and purpose for the world, his plan and purpose for us. Luke chapter 4, which by chance is not one of the verses from our reading this week. Now you're thinking, how in the world is he going to work this into talking about our weekly reading or our daily reading? Uh, but this is not one of the verses. A lot of times I use a verse out of something that uh, we've read through the week just because I want to encourage that. And I, you know, it, it helps to hear it more than once. You know, it's good to hear the word over and over again, hear it in context, hear it in, in uh, uh, explained and discussed and to meditate on it. But then it's also every once in a while I'll throw in something you haven't heard this week. So... Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16, says this. And he, this Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the, unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Praise God. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus then, that was the beginning of his ministry. Uh, shortly after that, they try to kill him. You know, because they start really realize, wait a second, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're saying that that scripture, that, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Nobody said that except the priests. Nobody said that except kings, you know, a lineage of kings of David. Nobody was, nobody was anointed. You know, they, he would, God would come upon people every once in a while. He'd come upon them to, to make a, a gold something or other for the, for the uh, temple or, or to do something, weave a, a cloth or, or whatever. He would come upon them, but, but he never indwelt them. Only, only the, the high priest and the king. That was it. Everybody else had to go through them. But all of a sudden, here's this common guy. He's not even a Levite. 
You know, he's not one of the priests. And he certainly can't be a king because we know where his mother, you know, his, we know his mother. You know, we don't know who his father is. And I'm talking in the, from the Pharisee's point of view. You know, we, he obviously is not a king and he certainly isn't a priest. Who does he think he is saying the spirit of the, of the Lord is upon me? Boy, they don't say stuff like that. Well, Jesus had the right to say that. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him and filled him. And he was walking, you know, Colossians says that he was the fullness of the Godhead. He was all God. If, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was all God. When he, you know, that's why, that's why we want to read about Jesus. That's why we want to read the words of Jesus. Because that, those words have power. Why? Because God spoke them. God's been, he, and he wasn't kidding, you know. I mean, sometimes I have to, you know, give a disclaimer that some of the stuff I say every once in a while, I'm joking, you know. I mean, usually it's to my wife. I'm sorry, I'm joking. That was a joke, okay? It was just a joke. But Jesus, you know, it says that his words never fell to the ground. His words were power. His words were life. And when he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, there was something going on. There was something happening that, that changed everything. And the longer he preached, he went on for three years, he preached and preached, and all of a sudden he started, he started giving that authority to just common folk, fishermen. Any fishermen here? You're common. No, I'm just kidding. See, I, I'm just kidding. That was a joke, okay. I have to explain myself. Where, you know, and, and, and tax collectors. Any tax collectors among us? I actually know a, a guy who used to be a tax collector. Oh, I, there's a couple of people going, maybe I'll do a little bit of that, you know. <laughs> he gave it out to, to sinners. Oh, sinners. Common folk. He, <laughs> do we have any sinners? I already saw hands going up. We're not going there, okay? <laughs> just don't, don't even. Just everybody put your hand up once, okay? You're all in this. All right, we're all in this. But he gave it to real, just all the, you know, common folk. And he was the first of the common folk, you know? He was the, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, but why? That's my, that's my heart today, is why would God, why would the God of all the universe, I mean, if you're really God, why don't you just take all that, all the cool stuff for yourself? You know, Jesus could have just lived forever. He could have been the king. He could have, he could have uh, 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 you know, lived eternally on the earth and just been the king of everything. That's what Satan wanted him to do. You know, he said, he said, just bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms. Because the kingdoms were already his. And Jesus said, no, that's not how this is going to work. He could have done, he laid down his life for us. So why, why would the God of all the universe put the Spirit of God, the living God, the Spirit? It said, you know, remember all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, where it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. Whew. That same Spirit, that same Spirit came down when Jesus was baptized and filled him with the Holy Ghost. That same Spirit, when he breathed after being you know, killed on the cross and, and in the ground for three days and he rose again and he walked through the wall, he walks in, and this is in Mark, if he, he walks into the room and they're all freaked out because, whoa, they're see, they think they're seeing a ghost. He goes, no, touch me. I'm not, I'm not a ghost. I'm just supernatural. You know? I can walk through a wall. 
Watch this, you know. I'd, do, I'd be tempted to do something goofy like that. You know? Go on, hit back, you know. But, and, and it says that when they started to believe in him, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they got saved. I believe that was the moment the first people that were born again received the Holy Because you can't, you can't be born again without receiving the Holy Spirit. But then he said, he said, now don't leave Jerusalem because now you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You're going to be baptized with the Spirit. You're going to be filled with the Spirit, overflowing. You know, and, and 50 days later, 50 days later, they're in the upper room and all of a sudden the day of Pentecost came and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they couldn't stay in that upper room. They had to get out of the upper room and they had to go do something. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord had anointed them. What? To preach good news. There's a reason. There's a reason all of this happens. It's not just so that I don't go to hell. I mean, praise God, that's a part of it. And that's a big, that's a wonderful part of it. I say that a lot. It's a great part of it. But that's not all of it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? To preach good news. To preach good news. All right. So that's the, the warm-up. That's just the warm-up, folks. We're going to get into some really good stuff today. But I have a te- we have a testimony first. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had the, the week devoted to God. And after the week devoted to God, uh, Gwen Roden came up and she shared a testimony with me. I said, you've got to share that with the people. This, that's good stuff. And it fully lines up with uh, what we're talking about today. And so um, I'm going to have Gwen come up and share this testimony. Now, here's the deal, Gwen. You've got to come up here. I know. It's bad enough that you've got to get up in front of people and talk. And then, then we, we start making people have the microphone so everybody can hear you. But now we make you come up on the stage. Yeah, I know. This is, we're moving that, up in the world. That's only because you can't see me down there. <laughs> um, I have struggled with depression most of my life. And um, I have gone through all kinds of, you know, cutting off the generational curses and, and got counseling and got prayer. And, and I believe all those things were helpful to me. Um, but I still, when I would read the word, I would see certain scriptures that I felt um, condemned me. That, uh, that I would despair in and feel like I'm not going to make it. Um, you know, like the scripture that says, if you endure to the end, you will be saved. Well, then I would think the converse. If I don't make it to the end, I'm not going to be saved. And I would just panic. And, you know, you just have this hopelessness inside of me. And... Um, Right before the week set apart for God, I had a dream that I had a heart attack in the middle of the night and died. And um, I, I went through this long corridor and somebody is running at full speed, I mean full speed towards me, and grabbed me up and said, man, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm like, wait a minute, who is this? And it was the Lord. And I began to recite 
all of those scriptures that I had been holding on to and reciting to myself for many years of why I wasn't going to make it, why I was going to be rejected from the Lord. And every time I would say that scripture, he would say, I love you. You're forgiven. And I would say it, you know, and this went on for quite some time. And every time I would say it, he would say, I love you. You're forgiven. I love you. You're forgiven. And he would laugh. And it took me a long time to believe him that I was forgiven, that he loved me. And so then we're having this great conversation. And then he stops and says, well, wait a minute, you've got to go back. I'm like, what? No! (laughs) Pastor John had come to the morgue and was raising me from the dead. (laughs) I have to honor my word. Pastor John's praying for you. (laughs) I woke up, what are you doing? What are you thinking? I was having fun with the Lord. (laughs) But that is the message. He loves us. I did not believe in unconditional love. But I... I believe it now. I believe it now. And during the course of the uh, days set apart for God, the week set apart, excuse me, the week set apart for God, every one of those scriptures was spoken. And I didn't have one little twinge of being scared or rejection at all. I was completely set free from that. You are forgiven, and God loves you. She uh, emailed me the next day and yelled, chewed me out. (laughs) That if she ever has a heart attack and dies, leave her alone. Okay. <laughs> but Luke chapter 4 verse 16 or verse 18 says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because why does God put the spirit his spirit on us. If you're born again, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you if you you have been you know God at that point it's that's what that's what knowing him is about you've received what he did on the cross you know you we when we were born we were born into sin when we were born we were we were separated from God we were born spiritually dead now nobody likes to hear that nobody likes to think well a little baby when a little baby oh they're so cute they're not cute I'm a man I don't think they're cute but they're good oh, they're cute they're wrinkly they're weird colors you know, after a few weeks, they start getting becoming cute. Okay, and then they have, when they get a personality, they're way cuter. And then they get, you know, as they grow up, toddlers, they're, wow, this is awesome. Then they become teenagers. They're not cute anymore. But it, it just, <laughs> but when a baby is born, that baby, the truth of the matter is, is they're separated from God. 
and they need to be born again. They need, they need salvation. Now, there is a period of time, there is a grace where the salvation of the parents covers that child. Absolutely. But there's a day where they have to make a choice. There is a point in their life where they have to choose. They choose. They choose. Their child chooses. You choose. You choose. There's a point in your life where you choose that, I, you know, I'm not just a Christian because my parents are. But I'm a Christian because I choose. I decide. Well, where's that line? I, I don't know where that line is. Some people say a certain age. I, I, don't, I have my own theory, but it's a theory. I don't, it doesn't really matter. But there's a point. If, if you get to that point and you go, I don't know that I believe that, you're at that point. You have a choice to make. And you choose. You choose to believe what Jesus said or do I, I believe what everybody else or myself or the devil or whoever else is speaking. You have that choice. And in that moment, if, when you choose Christ, go, I, it's you, God. It's you, Jesus. It's what you did on the cross. And that's what the Bible says. You believe that that, that, salva- or that, that sacrifice gives you salvation. Gives you, it, it, it causes you to be born again. Your spirit becomes born again. It starts over. It comes to life. And at that point, you can have fellowship with God. Now, that doesn't mean that before then, God did, you couldn't hear God. I'm convinced that people can hear God, especially even when they're in sin. In sin. They can hear God. Because God loves them and he's reached, he's always calling, he's always drawing. But there's a point where it changes when you make that choice and you choose, I'm in, I want this, and all of a sudden now there's fellowship. And that changes everything. It's powerful. But then he says, well, wait, but wait, that's not all. There's more. He says, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit of God. And that, that happens the same way salvation. You believe, and Matthew says, you ask. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And, the, and, and Matthew, Jesus is saying it. He says, you know, God's a way better father than you are. If you ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit, he'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. And it isn't about what happens, what sounds like, what feels like. It has, it, just like salvation, it's not about how you feel, because you didn't feel saved for how many years? I didn't feel saved for a, lot, for a long time. Satan kept saying, you screwed up too far. You went too far. You made, you made too many mistakes. You, you rejected God. I was there. I saw you do it. And he wasn't lying. He's a liar because he doesn't mean that God, ha- God forgives all that. He loves us. He made a way where there was no way. But he said, wait, don't, don't wait. Or don't, don't stop. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because now you have power. Because he wants you to have power. He wants you to be filled with the power of God. And if you've received that, if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, which is more, it's it's the next step after salvation, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you now have power. But why? But why? That's what this morning's all about. Why? Because he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Gwen received, and she, you know, she received a right from God. The good news was, he loves you. And you heard it from her lips. See, that's what was the beauty of why, how this happened this morning, is now she came up here and she proclaimed the good news that she received. 
And that good news is not just for her, it's for all of us. Why has the Spirit of the God, why is the Spirit of the Living God anointed Gwen to proclaim the good news? And just by her standing up here and saying, hey, I had this dream, it was really wild, you know, and, and I, I, was, I felt rejected my whole life, I felt like God couldn't even love me. But, every, but, but Jesus kept saying over and over again, I love you, I love you, I forgive you. And it changed your life. But even that, as she spoke that, you had an opportunity to believe it. You had an opportunity to receive that word, that spoken word, that anointed word to set you free. And not just here in this room, you by watching by internet watching a recording of this 50 years from now. This is 2021, January 24th, 2021. In 50 years, you'll be watching this and go, whoa, he was speaking to me. Yeah, I was speaking to you. you she, was, she is anointed to proclaim the good news, to set, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Because in our lives, we get captive to these thoughts. We get captive to these ideas that for some reason we don't measure up. And that I don't care what the Bible says, he wasn't talking about me. Because I've screwed up too much. I've made too many mistakes. I don't measure up. No. He, when he died, it was forever. It was all. All in all. And we, but we need to proclaim that good news. We need to, we need to speak those things out to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind now that recovering of sight to the blind can be taken two ways one is you can be spiritually blind and you don't get it you know you get, you're spiritually blind you know when you're walking through life and and you don't know anything about god or you know you've heard a little bit but you're like whatever you know you're blind because the reality is what we see is not the most real thing in this universe. The most real thing in this universe is God. And he lives in an existence that this is just, this is a physical, man, and this is a flawed physical manifestation of what really exists. And so, so it, by proclaiming liberty and, and, and the, the sight to the blind, spiritually, you can see that life is different now. It's different than what I thought it was. It's different than the way I always believed it was. You know, yeah, when, whenever she, you would feel, you know, she or, and I'll say you, I'll, I'll change it, I'll get the spotlight off of her. When you feel rejected, that's not true. The truth is, he loves you. He loved you so much while you were in your sin he came and died for you. You were a sinner. You were lost. But he said, I'm going to do this anyway because I want them to come to me. And unless I do this, I can't, it, it, they can't come. And so the, the proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. But that's also talking about physical blindness, physical ailments. He, his, his anointing does not just stop at the spiritual level. It, it invades this earth. And he went around all the time laying hands on the sick, speaking. Let, you know, he didn't always lay hands on them. He, he, many times he just spoke to them and said, receive your sight. Boom, they had sight. Well, how can you do that? Because that's more real than this. Well, that's just weird. That's just, that's just odd. You believe in miracles? Yes, I do. Because they're real. They happen. 
I've experienced, I could tell you a story, I just told you a couple last week, miracles. I could say, anybody here ever experienced a miracle? I don't care if it was in the last 10 days or last 50 years, anybody received a miracle? Who wants to come up here and share real quick? Just come up and share. Yeah, whoa, you didn't tell me that was going to happen. You mean I have to come up on the stage? Who, who is, really, you know who it is, you're already inside going, shoot, that's me. Who is it? Quickly, you're making me look dumb up here. Hurry up. Thank you. I don't know who was that. Come on. Really? There we go. Thank you. Gosh. Yeah, I know. It's awesome, isn't it? Like, whoa, it's my turn. I'm like, dang. Um, I had on my foot, um, what do they call it? Like planter's warts. Just like... Well, that's a cool miracle. I know, planters right? Warts. Planter's warts. So, yeah, I didn't want to really share about those. <laughs> um, but um, I tried everything, and they hurt, and I couldn't walk. And I, I sat, and I would... This is going to get just gross, sorry. Picked at it with the tweezers and, you know, pulled things out and just got so I couldn't walk. And, and then one day I just sat and I just cried and because I had hurt myself by pulling more <laughs> things out of it. And, um, and then I just cried for the Lord. I go, this is just not working. I, it's not getting better. And then... I never thought about it again. And one day, I looked at my foot and it was gone. All of it. Just gone. So, miracle. Yeah. There we Amen. go. Amen. Amen. All right. So that's one side of it is that God heals us. I mean, we, as believers, we have the right to believe for God to move in our lives. It's not, he's not distant. He's not out there, you know, couldn't care less. But he's in our lives and he wants to take care of us. He wants us to be whole and healed and, and, and taken, you know, physically taken care of in every way, spiritually taken care of. But also, it's for others. It's for somebody else. Who here has ever prayed for somebody else and saw a miracle? Who will come up here and talk? Thank you. Come on up, John. I appreciate the quickness of your coming up. Thank you. Well, you don't have to run. I mean, gracious sake. Yeah, you know. Okay, lope. You were loping. All right, here we go. Um, I wasn't a Christian, but uh, two, three years, uh, pretty fresh, and uh, we kind of started a Bible study, and, you know, all my friends that would come and receive the Lord uh, that did came. And I had a buddy, Joel Holter. And he came over and uh, had the study, and I, I believe the study was over then, and I was talking to Joe, and he, he started showing me his arms, and he, he had, where well, we go, warts again, I guess. Uh, and they were just... It's a day of warts. They, they were, yeah. They were just uh, very red and sore. He was a printer, so he was constantly cleaning his hands and solution and everything, but they were really bad. And I, and, and I just remember, is this a new Christian? Well, here goes, let's try this. You know, I just laid my hands on him, prayed, said, in Jesus' name, you're healed. And he came back the next week just glowing. And, you know, he's going, look at my arm, look at my arm. They were gone. Everything was gone on the arm. Now, I haven't seen many more like that praying for people, but there will be more. But I did see that, and that was true. Amen. 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 (laughs) Anybody else? Anybody else? Real quick. It's good to give testimonies. Yeah, come on up, Peter. 
So I have a, a dear friend of mine, an elderly couple, who they tell me they're watching me uh, whenever I play the bass. So uh, this is about them. I'm just giving a heads up. Um, <laughs> hello, Mr. Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, long story short, uh, I met Mr. and Mrs. Sheldon uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, through a youth fundraiser, and then they invited me over to help them out with some yard work, which I gladly did for them. They're about 90 years old. Uh, just an awesome, godly couple. Well, Mr. Sheldon ended up going into the hospital uh, for a procedure, and they found cancer in his colon. And uh, they needed to remove it. So uh, I was there visiting him, and I said, Mr. Sheldon, like, I believe in the healing power of God. I believe that the word says, that calls us to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And would it be okay if I prayed for you? And, you know, he's, he's a Christian, so absolutely he said, yeah, uh, please, Peter, pray. So I just laid hands on him. I said, in the name of Jesus, I curse this cancer in, in, your, in your colon. Be gone in Jesus' name. That's all I did. I left, and they, mo went, they moved along with the procedure, and the doctor came back after the procedure to, uh, to his uh, bedroom or in the hospital room with a shock on his face. And he said, I, I have to apologize to you, sir. We couldn't find a cancer in your colon. It was absolutely gone. So praise God. Amen. 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 The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's the Lord's favor that people walk in wholeness, walk in health, walk in salvation, walk in fullness. But most people don't know it. So why has he anointed you? He didn't anoint you just so you could have, ooh, <laughs> Holy Ghost tingles or whatever, I don't know. I always thought that was weird, but Holy Ghost chills or whatever, you know. no. Because he's anointed you to preach the good news. And that good news is God loves you. He's forgiven you. And you can, you can be restored to him. He is not mad at you. He is not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He is not mad at you. He loves you. And he's also provided supernatural existence. But you got to tell people. And you, got, you know, sometimes it's, it's Christians. Sometimes it's non-Christians. Man, there's been many times where God's led me to, to pray for somebody who wasn't a Christian. And I saw miracles. I've seen miracles. I've seen legs healed immediately. I've seen, you know, other stuff, many stuff, you know, I can start telling you the stories, but no, you've told, you tell the stories. If you get somebody else got one, come up to share another one. Why? Because it builds our faith. When you speak... Who's coming up? All right. Good. Can we give up here? I'm coming up. You're welcome. Okay. I was on the motorcycle trip. Just started riding a motorcycle a couple years ago. And uh, it's the Circuit Righteous Riders Ministry. 
And I wiped out, totaled out my bike last June, end of June, last day of the trip, taking a curve too fast. And went down, did a perfect somersault. Nice. I was mad. I was very angry. I get mad at the devil. Mad. I'm like, is this really happening, you know? Um, get the wind knocked out of me and uh, had my jean jacket, sleeves rolled up, and Molly comes over right away, starts praying for me in the spirit, and I'm like, get this helmet off and just uh, calm down, Chrissy, settle down, settle down, get this helmet off, sit down, I need you to sit on your butt, yeah, as soon as I catch my breath. And she's praying in the spirit, and I can feel my nose starting to bleed. I don't like to be embarrassed. I don't want to be humiliated. Nose bleeds, you know, whatever. And uh, that was about it. So <laughs> she's praying for me, gets my helmet off, checks me over. Uh, Wayne takes my bike, you know, gets it started. They get it up and going again. <laughs> Driving it back to Wisconsin with a mirror-like flap, and yeah, I mean, you know. But my point is, I got home that night, and I had to go to a graduation in uh, Ramsey. It was a it was a hall. Get home that night, and I'm calling my insurance agent because I want a new bike. You know, I want to I want to go and get a new bike, <laughs> and uh, making a claim at 11 o'clock at night. And I checked my nose, and the dry blood had dried up. It was crusted. So that's my miracle. There you go. Hallelujah. <laughs> nothing broken. Yeah, amen. No scratch, Amen. All right. So why? Why? Turn with me real quick. You're going to think, why are we going here? Go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. This was also not in our daily reading this week. None of which I'm sharing today is in our daily reading. Throwing you a curveball this week. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. This is Solomon writing this book, and he wrote it for a reason. This is why I want to talk about. This is Solomon saying, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom, all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. So here's a guy. This is what's amazing. I, I love the book of Ecclesiastes, because here's a guy who did it all. He did it all. He was king. He had all the money you could ever want. He, could, he had all the horses you could ever want. He had all the women you could ever want. He had everything. He had anything, anything he wanted, anything he, he said, and, and when you read through Ecclesiastes, he set his mind to try everything there was to do under the sun. He wanted to experience life in every single facet, and he did. And at the end of his life, he looked at all the stuff, and, and, and there's joy in it, there's joy in work, there's joy in relationships, there's joy in, in, in fun, I mean, and he said, there, there, but in bottom line, he gets all the way down to chapter 12, all the way to the end of the book. So this is the end of the book, after he had written, because he, he itemizes 
everything. He planted vineyards. He, he built walls. He built cities. He, he did this. He did that. He had children. He had, he had everything you could ever do in the world. He gets to chapter 12, beginning with verse 11, and he says, the words of the wise are like goads. What's a goad? A goad is a, is a plow. It's a tine of a, of a plow. A goad is, is that part that digs into the ground, and when it moves, the ground moves. The, the, goad does, the goad just keeps moving. That's why when, when Jesus talked to Paul in the, on the road to Damascus, he says, why are you kicking against the goads? You know, you go over and kick a plow once. You won't do it a second time. You know, many people have never been lived on a farm or experienced kicking a plow or hit, you know. Think of a, a, a trailer hitch on the back of your pickup. Yeah, yeah, now it's starting to make sense here. We can see that's something that doesn't move, you know, and you're not expecting you you hit it with your knee, well, actually my shin. It hits me right about my shin. Ooh. Uh, I'll stop there. I could go into detail, but all right. He said, but he says, the goads, he says, the words are like goads. Okay, he says, my words are solid. I'm not, I didn't make this stuff up. This is real. And like nails firmly fixed at, collect, at the collected saying, saying, this is truth. Boom. This is truth. Boom. He's nailing this truth. He's going, I am not messing around here. I've experienced everything. And I'm telling you, this is important. Verse 12, my son, beware of anything beyond these. Of, many, of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness to the flesh. That is not for you teenagers to accept. <laughs> much study is good for you, just so you know. You're, much study is good for you. It's good for you. <laughs> I had to, I'm just being an equal opportunity here. Of me, uh, study is weariness to the flesh. The end of all the matter is this. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. Why? Because, because he has a plan for you. Why? Because he's put you in this world for a reason. Why? You can do everything else. That's the reason I went back to Ecclesiastes. You can do everything else. You know, one day you'll get married. One day you'll have children. One day you'll have a, a job. And I'm speaking to this group. One day you'll have grandchildren. You know, one day your kids will be out of the house. One day you'll retire. One day, you know, you live your whole life. But why are you here? What is the reason Every day that you wake up and breathe is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that I got you to there, how do we do it? What's your part to play? I have four things. It is not all there is, but I'm gonna, it's headlines. These are the big headlines. So if you want to write these down, that's good. Otherwise, they'll be on the, on the uh, somewhere. They'll be somewhere. Listen to this again. Number one is lead people to salvation. Lead people to salvation. Well, how am I supposed to lead somebody to salvation? Hey, you meet people every day that are in trouble. Everybody, every day you meet somebody who's lost. Every, somebody, every day you meet somebody who doesn't know that God loves them. And just by telling them that God loves them can change their life. It'll draw them. It may, be, it may be the first seed. It may be the second seed. It may be watering. You may harvest. That part doesn't matter. 
The most important thing is you say whatever God tells you to say. You speak it. And it doesn't have to be super theological or super deep or, you know, you don't have to remember where all the verses are. It just has to be truth. And what's the truth? The truth is he's changed my life. I can, you know, you can, you can preach a whole sermon and never quote a scripture-ish. You can just tell them what God's done for you. Man. God is good. He saved me from, from a life of, of wasted life. A, a, you know, a, I made too many, I made way too many mistakes. I, I went way too in the wrong direction. And he still loves me. It's amazing. If he loves me, if he forgave me, most of you out there are really good. You're okay. Because you don't know everything that I did, and I'm not telling you everything that I did. I don't believe I've even told my wife everything I did, and I'm not going to. I've told a couple of friends, and they're like, you know, but that's it. Don't try to figure out who it is and go ask them. Doesn't matter. But you lead people to salvation. Then you also disciple the saved. This isn't just about getting people into the kingdom. This is not just about pray this prayer with me. I mean, that's part of it. That is a huge part of it. It's not just that, though. Now you need to train them up. You need to help them. People need help. And you can help them. It isn't like, whoa, I got to get you to church so that you can hear the gospel and then the pastor can disciple you. No, 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 no. The best person to disciple them is somebody who sees them every day. Hey, how's it going? You know, have you read the Bible? Let's read this together. Let's talk about this. You know, what does this mean? What do you think it means? How does it, you know, and you can, you can help them to grow in that. You help them to grow. It's not the job of the pastor. My job is to train you to do the work of the ministry. This, this is the work of the ministry. Lead people to Christ, disciple them. That's number two, and I'm going to go through them real fast. Three, lay hands on the sick. You can pray for somebody every day. You could, easily. Pray for somebody every day. If you're watching, if you're paying attention, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, he will bring somebody across your path when it's time. If you don't for a day, it's not that. Ah, don't get you know, condemned. Oh, I miss God. No. Maybe today you were just supposed to go ride motorcycle. You know? Amen. Amen. Snowmobile, whatever. Go fishing. I don't care. Not clean the house. That's not, I mean, that's probably not God. But. <laughs> and then help them to become people who share the good news. You know, it's, it was something the Lord said to me years ago. He said, it's not, good, just okay, it's not good to just create converts. What you need to do is you need to, to, to train people to train people to train people. <laughs> Think about that just for a second. You need to train people to train people to train people. That's a full circle. So you get somebody saved, but then you say, okay, now you need, now it's your turn. Now you go out and preach the gospel. Well, okay, now it's not just good enough that you, that, that person sh- told, showed somebody how to show somebody how to come into, um, into, king, into the kingdom, but now show them how to show somebody to show somebody. Follow that. You just, you gotta, you gotta think about it for a while. Because then, then it's, it's beyond you. It's not up to you to reach the world. And if we did, when we do that, it's going to explode. Real quickly, our vision here is to have a, a network of 24 churches by 2027. We have four right now. Uh, to give you a real quick testimony, I just heard it last night, uh, it's, it's exciting. So the Prescott Church has been kind of kind of chugging along. I mean, they're just they're chunking it out, and they they have you know hey, and then oh, and then hey, 
and then, well, you know, just, you know, a lot of people, you know, people show up and then nobody shows up. And then, you know, COVID hit. You know, we say many times that the whole COVID thing hit them the worst because there were a lot of people in there with some medical stuff and taking care of their elderly parents and they just, they struggled through it, you know, because people said, hey, we can't be there for six weeks or, or you know, so on and so forth. They struggled. In the last two weeks, they've doubled in size. We, next week, he, Pastor John and I were supposed to switch pulpits. We were going to, you know, it's the fifth Sunday and we were going to switch pulpits. He was going to come up here and preach. And he called me last night and he says, yeah, I don't think I better do that. And I said, why, that, why is that? And he says, well, we just found out there's going to be 13 kids in the, in the children's ministry. They've not had a children's ministry. You know, for a couple of kids, there's going to be 13 kids in children's ministry starting this Sunday. And we need to, I, we need to be there. And I was like, yeah, I get it. God is good. And it's going to happen fast. It's going to, there's going to be those, whoa, look what just happened. And then we need to, we need to get there. We need to, we need to support it. So 24 churches, we have four right now. How's it going to happen? I don't know one day at a time. But the reason, the reason is God didn't say that we needed to start a revival. That's not our goal here. He starts the revival. He restarts the revival in, in people's hearts. But I'm going to read real quick and then I'll be done. The prophecy for the St. Croix Valley. This was given to me probably now about 20 years, well, 18 years ago. About 18 years ago, I had been praying this out for many years. You can listen to this testimony on the next thing. Uh, uh, thumb drive that the ushers have it and the, the elders have some and everybody there's I, I tell the whole testimony about how we I began praying about the St. Croix River Valley praying for God to move mightily and this was given to me many years after we began to pray about 10 to 12 years after we began to pray somebody said it's exciting that you're praying out the prophecy for the for the St. Croix River Valley I said ma'am I don't know what you're talking about she goes I'll bring it to you so and this this is what she gave me in 1948 Two prophetic words were given by two different individuals who did not know or had, nor had ever heard of each other. The first was given in Spooner, Wisconsin by a missionary from an independent missions group and six months later, the second was given in Luck, Wisconsin by an Assembly of God missionary. One couple who were in both meetings who heard both prophecies said they were almost word for word the same as they were given. The prophecy basically stated that just before Jesus comes, a revival would start at the head of the St. Croix River and continue southward down the entire river. They stated that the effect of this revival would reach out 100 miles on each side of the river and continue until Jesus comes. They also stated in its path several, several of the cities would be won entirely over to the Lord. Every person in that city saved, along with the salvation of thousands, would also be the miraculous in the area of finances, healing, and deliverances of all kinds, and return of entire areas to biblical living, once again, right up until Jesus coming in the rapture. Why are we here? It's not to start a revival. That's God's deal. But it's our job to get ready. Why? Because when whole cities are saved, we're going to need more churches. Well, there's already a church in that town. I know. That's great. God bless them. We need more churches. But there's not enough. If everybody in Stillwater, when, when, when everybody in Stillwater gets saved, these churches are not going to be big enough. 
We're going to need more people to disciple, more people to train, more people to preach the gospel. We're going to need more. We need young people. We need old people. We need everybody in between people. We're all in this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to do the work of the ministry. Amen? Amen. All right. Yes. Testimony. Come on up. Awesome. Someone had a testimony online. Uh, my last scan for cancer, the results showed not even a scar, not even scar tissue, and the doctor said it was like it wasn't even there. Hallelujah. Yeah, Denny Lemire. Um, Denny, Denny Lemire, glory to God. Dad, can you come up here, please? Please. I love it. Yeah, first off, no cane. Um, second off, this man is a walking, living, breathing miracle. Amen. Um, his, he has his right leg, which he sh- should not have, according to the doctors, and he's been brought back to life, so it's just a small little thing. amen amen hallelujah let's all stand let's all stand hallelujah God is good he is good and he's got a plan for your life he's got a plan for us he's got a plan for this world doesn't matter what the world's doing right now folks really it doesn't what matters is we keep our eyes on him We keep our eyes on him. We keep moving forward, obeying him, and watch what he does. This year will be the best year. It is. It's going to be the best year. It's going to be amazing in the kingdom of God. Stay in it. Stay in it. Keep working. Father, we do thank you for this absolutely amazing day. We thank you for each and every one here, each and every one online. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory and honor and praise for all your goodness and mercy towards us. And we thank you, Father, that the plan for our life is is a good plan. It's a good plan purpose for our whole life. We thank you for it. We give you glory in Jesus' name, and everybody said...